Morning. Good to watch you begin to discover all the stuff that's in this. I mean, there, it's just loaded. And I'm going to just take a couple of minutes, and I want to share hopefully just two things with you out of this, but I want to read it first. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Spirit, from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Okay? I asked you, I had several questions for you last week, and I want to share with you what I've gotten out of. First one was, what's the purpose of beholding God's glory? What's the purpose? Why is there such an emphasis on that? What is the purpose of beholding God's glory? Well, he tells us here, the purpose of beholding God's glory is to be changed. That's what God does as we behold his glory. He changes us. Now, change in the Christian world is, is a very common purpose. You need to change. You need to be like Jesus. You need to act like Jesus. You need to don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Mike was right. I mean, the more you behold sin, you become what you behold. And that's true not only of becoming like Jesus as I behold him. I behold sin, I'm going to sin. I promise you because it stimulates sin inside of us. But he says the purpose of beholding the glory of God is to change, is to experience change. And that's a common understanding in Christianity. He wants you to be like Jesus. But what's the kicker here is this flies in the face of so much of everything we believe to be true about us changing into the image of Jesus. We've been told if you want to be like Jesus, you've got to do this. If you want to be like Jesus, do this. Treat that person like Jesus. Do like Jesus would do. Ask Jesus what he wants to do. What would Jesus do in this situation? And it's all geared around change. But when you look at this, you find out that there's not one single word mentioned in here about you changing. It's all about God changing you. And as I thought about this last week, you remember I said last week that what's kind of a hard balance to understand what's God's part and what's my part of this because it's all him and yet I'm in there somewhere. And so as I thought about it and meditated on it this week, the Lord reminded me, God's part is he's provided everything. My part is to just receive what God's provided as finished, as done. It doesn't need to be added to. It doesn't need to be improved upon. It doesn't need to be changed in any way and tweaked and adjusted. It is merely our part. It's just like our part in salvation. What was our part in salvation? We played a part in salvation, but it didn't add to salvation. Salvation was completed. It was done. What was our part? To receive it. Now, here he says, as we behold the Lord, he changes us. What's our part? Work on changing? Try to improve it? Try to do better? Try to rededicate? I promise I'm not going to do this anymore? No. Our part is merely to receive what God has done, the change that God's working in us. Now, let me say this. If you're not interested in change, 
Beholding God is not going to be important to you. If you like the way you are, you don't think you need anything done in your life, then you're not going to seek the Lord very much. But if you're like uh, 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 Angie said, I'm tired of the flesh. I'm tired of missing the mark. I'm tired of blowing it. And I want to see something different in my life. Then beholding the, the Father becomes a, a, a catalyst to that. And the first trigger for change in my life is beholding the Father, beholding his glory. And so he says, you want to, be, you want to experience change? Here's what you do. You behold me. Receive from me what I have done, and I will change you. I will make you different, and you'll find yourself to be changed into my image. So he says, what's the purpose of beholding this glory? purpose of beholding this glory is to be changed, not to change, not to set out to change myself, but the purpose is to change. And the word there is metamorphosis. That's where we get our word metamorphosis from. What do you think of that goes through a metamorphosis? Caterpillars and butterflies. Now, here's a question. At what point does that caterpillar know he's a butterfly? He don't have a clue till he's a butterfly. I don't believe he's got in mind, okay, I want my arm wings to be orange, and I want to have these little dots on there, and I want mine to be bigger than hers, and I want the, I don't think it ever goes through his mind. It's always after the fact he says, I'm a butterfly. And the process is so slow, he doesn't realize it until it's done. And when he says here, you will be changed, that word is a very, it's present tense, which means it's now and forever change. Always changing. You never arrive. And here's the thing about it. It is so slow. You may not even know it's happening. As a matter of fact, you will probably be the last one to know it's happened. But I promise you, your parents will know it. Your spouse will know it. Your siblings will know it. Your friends will know it. Because they'll see something and you say, boy, that's not like them. What do they mean by that? Well, that's not like the stinking rat you used to be. You know, that's not like the person that was impatient before. That's not like the person that struck out in anger before. They will observe that, and they'll look at that and see the change. But if we're sitting here with our hand on our pulse wondering, how's my change going? How am I doing? Oh, I really need to work on this. We're going to miss the heart of what God's doing. God says, I am going to change you if you will behold me and if you will receive what I do, if you will assimilate it, remember we used that word? If you will assimilate what I've done by receiving it into your life, I will conform you into the image of your son. And it says in Second Corinthians that we're new creations. And that word new creations means it is a species that did not exist before. It's not an improvement on the flesh. The flesh is flesh. It's going to be flesh now and forever throughout eternity. It never gets any better. Your flesh never gets any better. You never get your flesh to obey God because it's flesh. 
But when God changes us, he doesn't make us new flesh. He makes us a brand new person that did not exist two seconds before I met the Lord. He changes me. And he continues to change me as I continue to hold him, behold him. All right. So I behold this glory. I behold this glory that's in the Father. And as I do that, I'm receiving from him. Wow, Lord, I didn't see that. I didn't know that. I didn't know you did that in me. I didn't know that's what it meant to die on a cross. I didn't know what that meant. I received that. I assimilated into my life. And God changes me to look like Jesus. That's not right. That's not right. Because that's a look like. That's an imitation. He doesn't change us to look like Jesus. He makes us an expression of of Jesus. That means Jesus himself is expressed through us. It's not a copy. It is Jesus himself being expressed through my life. He works that inside of us as we behold him. Well, what is the glory? Well, the context here, if you look at all these verses in chapter 3, he alludes to what glory this is. And he's talking, and look with me in Exodus chapter 34. He's talking about, or Exodus 33, he's talking about the glory that Moses experienced when he encountered the Lord. Let me give you a little background here. God, Moses has just cooperated with God, and God led the children of Israel out of Egypt. They got out in the desert, and they wanted Egypt again. And they begin to complain, they begin to grumble, and they begin to get uh, obstinate and rebellious. Moses goes up on the mountain to be with God to receive the, receive the Ten Commandments, and while he's gone, they say, we want a different God. Moses has stayed up there too long. We don't want that God anymore. We want a new God. And they convinced Aaron to help them make it. So they took all this gold that they had gotten as they left Egypt. Because when they left Egypt, the Egyptians begged them to go, said, here, take our gold, just leave. And gave them all this treasure. So when they got into the wilderness, they took all this gold and they made a calf, a molten, I mean, a, 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 a image of a calf out of it. Now, I love their description. Moses came back and says, what happened down here? And they said, well, we just put this thing in the oven and it came out looking like this, you know, like we didn't have anything to do with it. And so God brings Moses back and, and says, you know, Moses, this is an obstinate people. And uh, I tell you what, I'm not going to go with you to the promised land. I'm not going to go with you to Canaan. I'm going to send an angel with you, and you go on, because if I go with you, I'm going to wipe this bunch out. And God, Moses said, interceded for him, and he said, look, God, if you don't go, don't don't send me. If you don't go, if you're not there, I don't want to go. Because how in the world will the other nations know that you are God if your presence isn't there. He interceded for him. And so God, Moses said, okay, I'll go and my presence will go. And I just kind of see in Moses' mind, uh, hey, you know, I got made a little headway here with God. You know, okay, God, how about this now? How about letting me see your glory? I mean, we're on a roll here. Let me see your glory. And that's where we take up in verse uh 12, Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you yourselves have not let me know whom you will send with me. 
Moreover, you've said, I have known you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you, so that I may find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, your presence does not go with us. Do not lead us up from here. Boy, listen to that. Have you ever been that desperate for God? Say, God, if you ain't going, just just don't make me go. I don't want to go on if you're not there. For now I can be, for now, how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all the other people who are upon the face of the earth? God, your presence makes us different. And folks, listen, that is still the same. We are different because his presence dwells in us. He wants us to be different because he lives inside of us. Then he says in verse 17, the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken. For you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. Then Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. Okay? So that's the glory that he's talking about in 2 Corinthians uh, 3. Whenever he's talking about that glory, he's referring to Moses. And Moses says, show me your glory. Now, I want you to listen to this next verse very carefully. This is important. God did not say no. Okay? God didn't say, well, I'm not, I'm not going to show you my glory. What he said was this. I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But you cannot see my face, for no man can see my face and live. There are all kinds of expressions of God's glory. But the expression that God has chosen to reveal to man is the expression of his goodness. That is God's glory. That is the glory God revealed to Moses. Look what he said. I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show compassion and whom I will show compassion. But you can't see my face. That is an expression of me no man will ever see. Okay? No man can see that and live. Then he said, there is a place beside, there is a place by me, and you shall stand there on the rock, and he will come about while my glory is passing. He says, I'm going to show you my glory, but I'm going to show you my glory in my goodness. I'm going to show you my glory in my compassion. I'm going to show you my goodness in my graciousness. That's the glory. I'm going to reveal to you. Then I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed. 
Then I will take my hand away, and you shall see my back, but my face you shall not see. And the Lord said to Moses, Those stones you broke, cut out some more, and be ready in the morning. Come up to Mount Sinai and present yourself here on this mountain. And he says here in verse 5, And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him as he called upon the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. That's God's glory. God said, you want to see my glory? I'm going to show it to you. I'm going to show you how good I am. I'm going to show you how slow I am to anger. I'm going to show you how quick I am to forgive. I'm going to show you how kind I am. I'm going to show you how loving I am. That's going to be the glory that that I am going to reveal to you. He said, yet he will no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children and on the grandchildren of the third and fourth generation. And that doesn't mean what you think it means. Anyway, Moses made haste to bow toward the earth and worship. That is the first time Scripture says Moses worshipped. He had led the children through the uh, Jordan, I mean through the uh, Jordan, not, not the Jordan, through the Red Sea. He led the children through the Red Sea. He had gone to God and interceded for his children on their behalf. But it was not until Moses saw the glory of God that he worshipped. He saw the goodness of God, the kindness of God, the graciousness of God, the quickness to forgive on God's, the slowness of anger on God's part. God said, you want to see my glory? Here it is. It's my goodness. It's my goodness. It's my kindness. And Moses was changed. He wasn't any longer a shepherd. He was the leader of men. It changed him. He worshiped. First time we see that he did that. Well, where is that glory today? Where can we behold that glory? Well, in John chapter 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Then he says in verse 8, There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. And he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them gave he right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. Verse 14, And the word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Whose glory? The glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus came and revealed the kindness of God, the goodness of God to man. That was God's glory. We've got this idea that glory is some kind of a 
tingling up your leg or some kind of a cloud that hovers over the room. And God could do whatever he wants. But I'm telling you, the glory of God that was revealed through Jesus was the kindness of God. Some of us are, that's a veil. Because we don't think God's all that kind. We think he messed up so much and we've blown it so much. If I go to him, the last thing he's going to be is kind. Here, at one point, he said, that's it, I'm done with him. But he knew he knew he wasn't going to do that. He was just saying to Moses, I want you to see what my goodness and my kindness is like. My graciousness, my quickness to forgive. And now all of that is contained in Jesus. When he says, behold that glory, he's referring to beholding the goodness and the kindness and the graciousness of God. Because Romans tells us it is the goodness of God that leads us to what? What does repent mean? Change change. It is the revelation of the goodness of God that changes us. And when it changes me, then I go out into the world and manifest that glory. I'm telling you, folks, if the world could see the goodness, let me just make it a little more relevant. If the church ever get a revelation of the goodness, of the graciousness, of the quickness to forgive. We jump through all these hoops to get God's forgiveness. Oh, I've got to do this, and I've got to do that, and I've got to say this, and I've got to go there, and, I've, and we miss the heart of it. He's quick to forgive. How quick? How quick is he to forgive? He forgives you for, before you sin. That's pretty quick. That's pretty quick. He's already forgiven you before you sin. That's quick to forgive. And yet we think, oh, no, I've got to spend time in the penalty box. You know, I can't, can't go to God for a while now. I've messed up so bad. And, and, you know, and, I just, and, and we put that on ourselves. What we do, we put a veil over our face that we're not able to see the goodness of God. You know what the veil is? If you read this context here, he's talking about the children of Israel holding on to the law. And they were having trouble letting go of the law because the law was given by God and they think it was the only thing to hold on to. And they were having trouble letting go of that. And that's why he said, when the Spirit of the Lord comes, the veil's lifted. When you turn to Jesus, the veil is lifted. But they didn't want it lifted. We want to keep the veil. And that's why I said, even to this day, the veil is present. Why? Because that's what they wanted. That was their perspective. You know what puts the veil over our eyes today? Our perspective. I'm not worthy of that. I don't deserve this. I didn't do that right. I just am not able to do that. That's what puts a veil over our eyes to keep us from seeing the goodness and the glory of God. Now, you're sitting here and say, I know God's good. I know all them verses. I know God loves. I know all that. I know all that stuff. I want to tell you something. You don't know. Look in chapter uh, uh, 4. 
he says, <clears throat> verse 3, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You know what's keeping people from coming to know Christ? They've not seen the goodness of God. They've not seen the quick forgiveness of God. All they've seen is judgment. All they've seen is criticism. All they've seen is ostracizing. All they've seen is is, uh, rejection from the church. Doesn't mean the church compromises on sin, but it means it loves and expresses God's kindness to the sinner. Because that's the veil. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus is Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants of Jesus' sake. For God, who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. That is a ton. God shines the light in our heart that we will have the knowledge of the glory of God that is found in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Where is this treasure? Right there. Right there. That's where the treasure is. It's right here. It's inside of us. That's where we behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus. What's it going to look like? It's going to look like God's kindness. It's going to look like his long suffering. It's going to look like his patience. And here's our prayer. Father, let me see your goodness towards me that I might project that goodness towards others. Let me see your forgiveness of me that I might project that forgiveness of others. Let me see your glory that you express to me that I might give that away to other people. That's our prayer. Because it takes a revelation, not just in our brain. Folks, listen. How many times have we told ourselves... We are new creations, and we keep acting like old creations. Because we think if we've got it in our head, we can convince our soul of it, and it never gets convinced. Our prayer is, God, show me the new creation you have made me to be. Show me the new person with the new wanters, with the new desires, with the new longing. Show me that person. See, Scripture, that is the mirror. But a mirror does two things. It projects, it expresses, it expresses, and it reflects. How many of us? Have ever looked in the mirror of God's revelation and seen the work that God did? Instead, we see our failures and our flaws and all this stuff that we hold on to. We don't see the revelation of what God has done in us. 
That's why beholding the Father is important. That's why beholding his glory is important. Because he wants to reveal to us what he's done. He wants to reveal his loving kindness. He wants to reveal that he forgave us every time we sinned before we sinned. He forgave us. And his loving kindness is unconditional. It's not measured by how well we change. It's measured by his love towards us. That's revelation. That will only come as I behold him. And as I just go to him and I just say, Father, what does that mean? Folks, please, please, please drop the attitude that I know what stuff means. You don't know. Until the Father shows you, you don't know. All the things you've memorized, all the things that you know about Scripture, all the things you know about the Bible, you don't know until the Father reveals it to you. Then it's a revelation. He turns the lights on, and what do we see? We see the glory of God in the face of Jesus, and that changes us. That changes us. How humiliating is this? I thought there was a course I could take. I thought there was a book I could read. I thought there was something I could do. God says, no. I want you to do is behold me and let me turn the lights on in your heart of all that I've done. See what he says? We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Why? So that the passing, the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. It's not about what I can do. It's not about what ability I have. It's not about how much change I can implement. Because if it was about that, then I'd get some credit. But I don't get credit. You don't get credit. God gets all the credit. He says, I just want you to behold me. It's a regular part of my life, of your life. I want you to behold me and learn to behold me everywhere you go and everything you do. That's good, isn't it? Think of that, man. I ain't got to change myself. Now, that does not give grounds for the excuse when we sin of, that's just the way I am. No, 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 no. All that God did was because I am just the way I am. And he changed me. And he changed me. All right? My challenge, my encouragement to you, it's taken us a long time to get here. Give time to behold the God. Father's glory. And by doing that, how do we do that? You might just take this. I've been going back over this, and I've been looking at this, and I've been saying, okay, Lord, where have you expressed your goodness to me that I missed it? Where have you expressed your... Boy, we, 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 we can get hung up complaining, can't we? Griping about the way things are and completely miss the goodness of God towards us. And ask him, where have you shown your goodness toward me? Lord, where have you shown your graciousness toward me? Where have you shown your quickness to forgive me? Where have you shown me your compassion and I missed it? Well, I, you know, I, I, well, God just don't love me. You know, I just am, am worthless. Youth was talking about 
opportunities or thoughts that came about suicide the other day. That's the ultimate expression that God's not good. He is good. He's good to you and he's good to me. And I want him to show me where he's been good to me that I've missed. Okay? Gives you something to think about this week. Let's pray. Father, our hearts are for you. But they're for you because you've given us a new heart that is for you. You did that. When we came to know you, you took out that heart of stone and you gave us a heart of flesh that's pliable. Thank you for that. Our heart is for you. I ask you would show us how to behold you, how to behold your glory, that you can change us into the image that you say we are. Show us what that means. Let us see your goodness and your kindness towards us. How you've expressed that to us. Thank you for what you're going to do this week. In Jesus' name.